When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, our Browns-Bengals preview edition. And of course, uh, this is a Browns-Bengals game that doesn't mean a whole lot. Uh, So we're going to do this preview pod a little differently. We'll still make our picks for the game at the end. And you're still going to hear Lance Reisland. He's going to break down some film on Jeff Driscoll and Jake Browning and, and all of that. Uh, And then you're also going to hear from Tyler Shoemaker as well. He's going to tell you his approach to this weird week 18 in the NFL. But what we're going to do first is we're going to kind of look back on this season and kind of figure out what some of our takeaways might have been from these uh, these 18 weeks, uh, long 18 weeks, and then some Mary Kay uh, that the Browns have gone through. So why don't, why don't you start us off? What, what's kind of a takeaway? What's on your mind as you kind of think back on this season and, and we spin it into the playoffs? You know, the number one thing that's on my mind is, can Joe Flacco keep this magical wild ride going? I mean, I think he has what it takes. He knows what it takes to get to a Super Bowl and win it. He's done it. He's a Super Bowl MVP. He knows exactly the mindset that you have to have at this point in the season. And it's such a unique opportunity for a football team like the Cleveland Browns to have their fourth starting quarterback. Now, there is going to be a fifth one in Jeff Driscoll on Sunday, but it's so unique to have your fourth quarterback be someone who has won a Super Bowl and who is an amazing option to have leading you into the playoffs. I mean, who who has this, right? I mean, all these other teams that have that are dealing with their backup quarterbacks, most of them don't have a Super Bowl MVP. I don't know I don't think anybody else has a Super Bowl MVP taking them uh, or trying to take them to the promised land. So it's just Uh, the perfect storm for the Cleveland Browns to have this player uh, who has the opportunity to do this. And not only that, might have to venture in to his old stomping grounds in Baltimore, where he played for 11 seasons, took those Baltimore Ravens to the playoffs in seven of those 11 seasons, led them to the Super Bowl, and was the Super Bowl MVP in that 2012 Super Bowl. I mean, it's just mind-boggling that they have this and can the magic continue that's that's what I'm wondering and I think it can I really think it can I think a lot of things will be different and we'll get into this a little bit more as we go along Uh, you know a lot of things are going to be different if they if they have to go down to Houston things are going to be different in Houston you know things are going to be different you know with every team that they have to play uh, than the first time they played them but I think that they have a winning formula going on right now and it, it's just the most incredible thing for them uh, that they have a quarterback who can take them all the way. I mean, people thought Joe Flacco was done after Denver. That was eight games in Denver. And that was 2019. We have the 2024 has just started. And Joe Flacco is out here throwing for more yardage than any other quarterback since he's taken over as, as the starter. Um, I, 
<laughs> this is such a strange development, Ashley. I don't even know how we can characterize this. Like, you know, I mentioned the Denver, the Denver year. And I think people look back at Joe Flacco's career and they'll see pictures of him in a Broncos jersey and be like, I don't remember him ever wearing a Broncos jersey. And yet now he's wearing a Browns jersey, which is something no one ever could have imagined. I don't know how to even describe where things are right now. I saw this funny analogy on Twitter that I do think is good podcast fodder, but it was basically someone comparing Joe Flacco to if you've ever been a dog owner and have a dog and you have a dog who you think is nearing his end of time on earth and that you might have to put him down. And then all of a sudden he gets this big burst of energy and staves it off for a little while longer. And I think that's the perfect analogy for what Joe Flacco is doing, because like you said, Dan, it's just so unprobable. And I mean, there were glimpses of it, right? Like even after the Denver year, the Jets game here last year, where he comes in and leads this crazy comeback. But you know, I, I think, too, it's important to know, like, his arm strength was such, obviously, a big part of his career, and he obviously still hasn't lost that. So who knows how much longer he could be pulling off these kind of performances. I guess the flip side of that, too, is that when we get in the playoffs, teams have more film on him. You know, maybe some of these teams they've they've already seen before with Joe in some of these potential matchups. So what's that going to look like a second time around? But... I do just think it's like it's the great story of the end of this season. He's, you know, made the Browns this like great, I think, underdog story this year. Yeah, and it just seems like like Mary Kay, everybody loves this story, like maybe outside of, you know, Steelers fans or something. Everybody loves this. I think even Ravens fans kind of love this story like this. They love Joe Flacco. And here he is. He's back in the league. He's slinging it around. It's been a few years since since he's played with Baltimore. So, uh, you know, and I don't, I don't think Baltimore fans view Cleveland like they do Pittsburgh, right? Like Flacco could never wear a Steelers uniform, but eh, you can get away with him wearing a Browns uniform. Now that could change in a a couple weeks if he's got to go to Baltimore, like you mentioned, and he's going to try and eliminate them. They might put those good feelings aside for, for a little while, but, um, I think even Ravens fans are kind of happy to see Joe Flacco having this resurgence. I don't know about that, Dan. I don't know. I mean, people do love Joe Flacco, but I think they are quaking in their boots a little bit over there. I remember when uh, when Joe Flacco first signed with the Cleveland Browns, John Harbaugh had had this quote where he said, Joe is very, very competitive, and we are going to have to see what happens here. And I think he knew at that moment uh, that it could be setting up for a huge showdown with Joe Flacco and his former team. And I'll tell you what, I think the fans will, will, you know, do what they have to do to get their game faces on. I think Jadavian Clowney, I think Roquan Smith, I think all those guys are going to work themselves up into a lather over Joe Flacco, even though he's such a likable guy. um, I just think that they're going to be able to dig deep and find it within them uh, to turn him into the enemy that they're going to need him to be. And I mean, he, like, like you said, I mean, he, he is someone that you could see after the Jets game, these Jets players lined up one by one. Uh, you know, to say goodbye to him and to wish him luck and farewell and all those things. He is a, a very beloved player in the NFL. But I think that all is fair in love and war. This is going to be a, lo- a, a war 
if they have to go into Baltimore. And uh, you know what? Joe, Joe knows the intensity of the AFC. I mean, he's been through this for his entire career, and he knows what he's going to be in for if he has to go into Baltimore and try to beat them. Okay, Ashley, what are you uh, taking away here from this going all the way back to July 22nd? (laughs) Oh, God, that was so long ago. Guys, I saw the Barbie movie the day that you were headed down to the Greenbrier, and that feels like forever ago. I saw it on opening day, to put it into context. But anyways, what I keep thinking about is the fact that in the playoffs, in the postseason, Anything can happen. And the more I think about this Browns team and the stuff they've been through and the record that they have and some of these games they've pulled out, they just feel like they have the culture and the people and they are just this team that is built to handle the fact that anything can happen. And to paraphrase Breaking Bad, which I know is a show we all watch, they are the ones who make the weird things happen. And I kind of, I love that about this team. I do think it's their identity. And I just think it's what makes them such like this underrated team. Like, I think we all know for as much focus as we put on this team, obviously, and for how much of our lives they control and dictate for better and worse. I think like nationally, they're not getting looked at very much, even still. Like, I think everyone is all about this, the Ravens and 49ers and have decided those are the teams going to the Super Bowl. And I don't think that's a given. And I think the Cleveland Browns are a big reason or a big example of why we should not just assume that those two top teams are going to go all the way this year. Yeah, if you were going to sit down and make tiers of like, okay, these are the teams that can go to the Super Bowl, I think you'd have to include the Browns on that list. Um, the thing is, so I was thinking about this while you while you were kind of laying that out, Ashley. Like the playoffs are so much about talent meets opportunity sometimes. And like anything can happen in these games. And I'm thinking back to like when Tennessee made that run to the AFC championship game kind of out of nowhere. And, but eventually they just, they got to Kansas city and they just didn't have the talent. Like it just, they just ran out of talent. Eventually when you look at this Browns team and that anything can happen scenario, they end up in the AFC championship game in Baltimore or wherever, Mary Kay, they're not going to have that problem. They've got tons of talent on this football team. So they're never going to go into a game where there's, obviously there's always going to be talent deficits and you go position by position. There'll be places where one team is better than another, but across the board, they're never going to be like the less talented team. They're going to be on par with anybody they face. Oh my gosh. This is such a talented football team right now. You could uh, see what happened in this past game when uh, they're already down to their fourth and fifth tackles. They had guys like Grant Delpit and Anthony Walker out of that game. And, um, you know, they're, they're without uh, Rodney McLeod. And I mean, you, the list just goes on and on and on Nick Chubb and, and they're still winning. It's a really, really deep, deep and talented football team. And that's why I do think that, Andrew Barry should be under serious consideration for executive of the year to be able to keep this team rolling along. And, you know, there's a good chance they're going to finish at 12 and five with smoke and mirrors. And that's a testament to the depth of this football team. And, you know, that's always the way that it's been, you know, with the the Steelers and, and the Ravens, they have such good organizations over there. That's why they were always able to win year after year because they had such good deck. They would just, they'd lose one good, great defensive player and they would roll another one in. And that's what's happening here. That's what's happening here right now. And that's hard to do. 
It's especially hard to do it at quarterback, and they've done that too. So, and they did it at kicker. And, you know, I mean, that everything that Andrew touches is turning to gold right now. Um, so, it, yeah, they're a very, very incredibly talented team, and they're deep. I just think, too, what I keep thinking along those lines, Mary Kay, is like, we can take this one step further, right? And like all of the injuries they've been through, it's not only that they've found the replacements, it's that nothing has rattled them. And Joel Batonio talked about that today. It's like, what other team has had to play with four different quarterbacks? You know, they're going to trot their fifth one out there on Sunday against the Bengals and Driscoll. But it's like, it's almost like no matter who they lose, they have convinced themselves that they're never out of a game and it doesn't matter. And yeah, they'll go win a game without a kicker and a punter because they've convinced themselves they can do that, right? Yeah, it's 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 a sight to behold what has happened on this team. And I'll tell you what, before this last stretch, um, you know, I really wasn't too sure about the end of season awards and how they were going to go. But now I'm absolutely convinced Kevin is the coach of the year. I think Andrew should be the executive of the year. And I think, you know, I think you're going to have Joe as possibly comeback player of the year and Miles as NFL defensive player of the year. So, you know, I think all those awards will, you know, kind of confirm what we've been saying. You're going to be busy the night of of, uh, NFL honors, Mary Kay. Yeah, you're never mind. You're going to be covering. Never mind. You're going to be covering one of the teams in the game. You're going to have to write about all these awards. Exactly. (laughs) Figure out how to divide all this. Imagine just the transcribing, guys. That's going to be brutal. Well, oh my goodness. Yeah. If they're in the Super Bowl, we won't have to worry about players being there. So this could all work out in in our favor. We're thinking way way far. Kevin would be so (laughs) mad at us for thinking that far ahead already. Uh, But. One other thing, too, that kind of stands out to me is so when you look at the Bengals, right, they look, they're going to be contenders for as long as Joe Burrow's on that team. But their roster is reaching a point now where they're going to have to pay Jamar Chase. Maybe they have to make a decision on T Higgins, right? Like their roster is going to start to change and and transform. And this kind of was maybe their last chance this year with like this group and it, and then Joe gets hurt. Joe, Joe gets hurt in camp. He gets hurt again during the season. Um, they can't do what the Browns did. And now you wonder kind of what happens with them moving forward. And I think it's just a reminder, like these windows in the NFL, like Joe Burrow will open a new window at some point, but windows in the NFL are really small. And this Browns team it's going to look different next year. Will it look drastically different? I don't know, but there's guys they are going to have to make decisions on. They'll trade guys. They'll sign new guys. Like it's going to be a very different looking team next year. Deshaun Watson will be back at quarterback. This is this is an opportunity right now. This AFC is wide open. I mean, heck, the NFC really only has one dominant team right now. So, I I do think when you kind of look at the Bengals, kind of wasted two opportunities to maybe win a Super Bowl, and now this year they're going to be sitting at home. I, I do think there's a little bit of a cautionary tale there for the Browns, Mary Kay. Like, hey. Maybe you don't have your star quarterback anymore. I know you got Joe Flacco, but here you are. You have this opportunity. You have this amazing defense. You, it's not always a given that you're going to get this op- an opportunity like this again. No, it's not. The The windows close very quickly, as you mentioned. And, you know, money is a factor. I mean, money is a huge factor. They, you know, I, I, I think that 
they're going to want to have Amari Cooper around next season at the amount of money that he makes. Um, but, you know, you just never really know. Then they have a decision to make on Nick Chubb, depending on how he's going to be coming along in his rehab from his knee injury. Uh, they might have to try to restructure him. Uh, there's always a ton of turnover. Uh, you know, Miles is going to be heading into his eighth season, believe it or not. My goodness. I remember when he showed up on the Browns doorstep and in one of those first interviews, he talked about, you know, wanting to, to play for about 10 years. He's heading into year number eight already. Where did that eight years go? Right. I mean, it's mind blowing. Uh, you know, you've got a number of other guys in this situation and you can't keep everybody it's, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how they, you know, work through their roster decisions. But uh, the window is open. I mean, the window is open right now, and they've, they've got to seize the moment. And certainly, uh, as we have said so many times before, this team, this 2023 team, was one that was designed to go the distance, to go all the way. And they've had to pivot, but that's what they're supposed to be doing. And let's see if they can pull it off. Yeah, I mean, they made their all-in move two off seasons ago, so mm-hmm. like, maybe that guy's not on, not not playing for you right now. But you're still like all in on this, so uh, and and you figured it out and, and got to the tournament. So that kind of brings me to my takeaway, and it's something you asked Jim Schwartz about today, Mary Ken. I know it's something Browns fans have been thinking about all year. He's leading one of the best defenses in football, and he might get some head coaching buzz. Now, obviously he was the head coach in Detroit for four years. Uh, It ultimately ended up not working out there, but uh, he went back to being a coordinator, won a Super Bowl in Philly as a defensive coordinator, had some health issues, kind of took a break, went to Tennessee. And now he's back as a coordinator. He's sort of been rejuvenated. And when you asked him today, he basically said, yeah, everybody aspires to be the, the, to that top job. So, Look, Browns fans are stressed about this. I understand you don't want to lose a great coordinator. That's that's why you should be happy that Kevin's the play caller, right? Like you're not going to lose your your play caller. He's going to be around. He's your head coach. But I I understand why Browns fans are upset. But if Jim Schwartz leaves to be a, a head coach, welcome to the welcome to the real NFL. Like that means you're a good team. That means you're a good organization. And if you really are a good organization. You're either going to go find the next guy to coordinate this defense from outside your building, or you're going to find the guy in your building that can do it. And maybe he's not going to be Jim Schwartz. Maybe it's not going to be quite the same, but you can still find good coordinators. So it's not a great thing if Jim Schwartz leaves to be a head coach. You know, we've seen what that brain drain has done to Philly a little bit this year, but that's just life in the NFL. And it's actually a sign, Mary Kay, that the Browns are in, the Browns are doing okay because they have, they have people in the building that other teams want to promote to head coach or coordinator or, you know, whatever it is. Absolutely. 100%. And I'm glad you brought up the Philly thing because uh, that is the, you know, number one example of how losing a great coordinator can impact your season if you don't get it right with the replacement. And that's going to be the whole key because if they do lose him, uh, you know, then, you know, they've really got to be judicious in who they put in there. The thing, the good thing is, I think that Jim Schwartz has established the culture on this defense. And I think he's handed down uh, the Schwartz way of doing things to, um, you know, to the guys on his staff. 
And in Philadelphia, when Jonathan Gannon stepped in after Jim Schwartz, they were able to keep it going. And they did a phenomenal job after Jim Schwartz left there. So that's what you have to do. You have to find the next Jim Schwartz, the next really, really good guy. And I think uh, because they found him the first time around, you know, they should be able to identify his replacement. And he might have some say in uh, who he thinks would be good in that role. But that'll be the whole key. You will have to replace him because he has done so much more than just coach this football team. I mean, he has established and instilled a brotherhood, a camaraderie amongst his guys, the likes of which I have not seen before. And they're all pulling in the same direction. And it really is a a beautiful thing to watch. Even when he just grabbed uh, Zedarius Smith after the game and made him go take a lap and savor the moment and engage with fans and enjoy that moment, that's something that, you know, you're just not going to get that from everybody. He knows what this means. He knows what Cleveland means. He knows what Browns fans are all about. So I think you need to have somebody uh, that really understands that. That's why I also think that Bubba is, is, has been so impactful here because he really understands how much this means to these fans. And if you can capture some of that with your next guy, then that's what you're going to want to try to do because the intangible part of Jim Schwartz this season has been just as important as the tangible part. Yeah. And you know, look again, Ashley, this is what every team has to deal with. It's not easy. Um, The Browns kind of got, they kind of got a little lucky with with Jim Schwartz, right? Right place, right time. When when he became available and wanted to come back, he had Andrew Barry in the building who knew him. Um, But it's like, it's okay. You can manage your way through this. And we've seen this, this organization is very good at putting people in place to kind of grow. And that's either going to happen, you know, they're either going to hit their ceiling here and move on, or they're going to hit a ceiling here and and maybe get an an opportunity to move up even higher here. So there are guys on that defensive staff, I think, who are ready or close to ready to being defensive coordinators. And that's, that's okay. Let one of those guys have an opportunity if Jim leaves. It's not going to be easy. Like Mary Kay said, you've, you've got to get it right. But this is, this is how the NFL works. It means, it means you're, you're doing something right if people want your coaches. Yeah, I mean, look what happened with, you know, Drew Petzing last year, right? Or even like Chad O'Shea got coordinator interviews last year and ultimately stayed here. But, you know, this wouldn't be the first time that we've seen people come knocking to get these, you know, other coaches who have come up on a Kevin Stefanski staff. And yeah, I mean, I think they, they would have to get it right. I think they have to look at all their options. You know, maybe there's somebody in-house that would be right if Jim does, you know, get a head coaching job, which, you know, not only looking at what he's done here, I think when I was writing a story recently, I even went back and looked at what happened and what people were saying and writing when he and the Lions parted ways. And even then, like reading what players said about him, like they were kind of bummed. It seemed like, like you didn't see anybody saying anything bad about Jim Schwartz, but those players on those Lions teams were genuinely sad to lose him. And I think you feel the same energy here um, to the point that I think it just shows how much he can impact a culture, why he would be valued and why, even if ultimately he leaves and ends up somewhere else, 
that could continue in Cleveland. And, and also, I mean, another option would be he has a lot of mentees there throughout the league and guys who have worked with him have helped run similar systems. You know, a guy like in San Francisco, their D-line coach, Chris Kacarek, he's an example. Like the 49ers last year were weighing, making him their D coordinator this year. You know, there are guys like that, I think, throughout the league that he's worked with that might be looking for those jobs if he does leave too. Yeah, Schwartz took over an 0 16 team, which is, which is crazy. Um, and then, you know, he actually had them 10 and 6 one year. So um, there were, he can, do, he can do that job, uh, absolutely. So um, it could happen. I don't know. But another example, you know, you mentioned San Francisco. Ashley, like they've gone through defensive coordinators, right? And they find Steve Wilkes this year. You know, they developed uh, D'Amico Ryan's, uh, you know, all of that. And then LA is another example, the Rams. You know, they they keep losing defensive coordinators. Right. And they you know, Sean McVay keeps finding new people to come in and run those defenses. And and every year they're a playoff team. So um, it's it's possible. It's okay, Browns fans. This means that this means that your team is healthy and winning if you're uh, if you're worried about losing coaches. All right. We're going to take a break. Lance Reisland is going to join us on the other side. And then Tyler Shoemaker will join us. And then we'll be back for some crazy reason. We're still going to make picks in this football game on Sunday. Our orange and brown talk preview continues. Welcome back to the orange and brown talk podcast. And we are joined as we are every Friday by Lance Reisland. Lance, how are you? I'm very well. How are you today, Dan? I'm I'm good. I got to give you an assignment, one of those weird assignments that we've you've had a few of this year. Uh, Clayton Toon was the first one. Today's assignment is Jeff Driscoll. He's going to start for the Browns on Sunday in Cincinnati, and Browns fans want to know what exactly should they expect from Jeff Driscoll. Well, I'll tell you this. First of all, physically, he he's a big kid. I mean, he's he's six four. He's two thirty. He's super athletic. He ran a four five eight in the combine. Uh, from you know, he went to Florida from 2011 to 2014. Threw for you know about 3,400 yards. Uh, they thought because of his size and his speed, he was going to be like Tebow. Didn't quite fit that offense. Then he goes to Law Tech in 15, um, throws for 4,000 yards. Unfortunately, a lot of times in those spread offenses, you know, in the the smaller Division One conferences, it's a lot of spread. It's a lot of bubble screens. It's a lot of non-progressive um, reads. So you kind of get um, kind of pigeonholed into that. Like this is the kind of quarterback you are. Uh, he's a big, strong athlete. <clears throat> he can make all the throws. When you watch him on film, I went back and watched his Law Tech film. Uh, he played in 18. He's been on seven NFL teams. He's been, you know, he got drafted by the 49ers. Then he's with the Bengals, the Lions, the Broncos, the Texans, the Cardinals, and now with the Browns. So he's been with a lot of people. But I think the thing that he, 2018, he was really good. Uh, you know, he threw for 1,000 yards. That's been his best year. Uh, he just hasn't quite been having to put it together. And when I look at him, I think it's mechanics. So he can make all the throws, but then mechanically he gets really wrong and his feet don't match his arm and his arm slot. So um, like on the run, he's a great athlete, but throwing on the run, he's super inconsistent. And when you see him throwing on the run, that never looks the same. Um, I don't think he's had a lot of work in terms of progression with live, you know, being in games with live action. And that just makes it hard to um, go through those progressions. And again, he didn't have to do that at uh, at Law Tech. It was a lot of no huddle empty formations, the stuff everybody sees now, but he's got a lot of talent. He's got a pretty good arm. Um, I would say his big thing, he's just real inconsistent, especially with the deep ball. His deep ball is very, very uh, in, uh, inconsistent, and uh, that's something he's going to have to work on. Um, but he has some physical tools. It's not like he's limited physically. Combine, he was a freak. He's strong. He's big. He's fast. Um, he just hasn't had a lot of work, and he's not super consistent. But 
I think it's a good pickup when he, you know, he's, he's been in a lot of programs, played with some good coaches. So um, he's probably picked up some good habits. So that's what I got on him. He's a talented guy. He's inconsistent. And uh, when you watch his eight fifteen film to his 18 film, those are two years I watched pretty much the same thing. Super talented, makes a lot of throws, just really inconsistent. Yeah, he's big. He's like six. We actually saw him in the locker room today. He's like six four, right? So super but big. He is, nice. Like you mentioned, he's athletic. Um, so different from Joe Flacco in that way. How does he kind of fit in what Kevin Stefanski does? It's going to be, you know, well, the thing is, he can he can handle all this this short um, the RPO stuff. What he's not going to give you right now, he's not going to give you the vertical stretch that Joe Flacco gives you. He's going to give you. Uh, he's not really a zone run guy either, even though he's got good feet. He doesn't uh, – his athleticism doesn't necessarily match up on the field uh, on the zone reads and stuff like that. He can scramble a little bit and move, but he's not a runner whatsoever. It, 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 for what for how athletic he is, his broad jump, his vert, like I said, he ran a 4.58 and a 40. Um, he's not going to give you that vertical game. But what he can do is he can he can work the ball underneath the Njoku, the option routes, the under routes, the crossing routes, the mesh concepts. Um he can make those throws. They're just real inconsistent. He's real. He th- underthrows a ton of balls, and I think it's because his fundamentals go. Um, so that would be the thing. I, you're going to see he he can make all the throws. You're, I don't think he can push the ball vertically down the field accurately uh, very well right now, especially with the weather. If it's not nice, I think that'll be a, that's the one thing you'll see is his inability to push the ball downfield. Okay, so you know, let, let me ask you this: um, if if he's a guy, because I think this is an interesting dynamic. I don't think you bring in Jeff Driscoll just for just for fun, just to make one start. There's a part of me that wonders, like, is this guy potentially the backup in the playoffs? Um, do you see that potential? Could he kind of pick up on this quickly enough and give this team what they need if he were the number two? Well, you know, it depends because when you know when Flacco goes in, Flacco goes in and throws the ball fifty times a game, right? And he's vertically throwing it down the field, and and they used him that way. Um, they'd have to drastically change what they do. Uh, schematically it would be much more of the short passing game uh the stuff all in that 10 to 15 range and under uh but there's a lot kevin has a lot of the stuff the boots the waggles you know instead of the waggles being three levels and now flacco can work all three levels driscoll is going to work those first two levels and that's okay too so it doesn't really um <clears throat> they can do a lot of the same things he's gotta he's gotta be super accurate with the check downs he'd have to be super accurate with that underneath stuff um, the only thing you're not going to get is you're not going to get a vertical threat, at least at least consistently, um, because that's the one thing he struggled with is just accuracy uh, with it, due to his mechanics when he throws the ball deep. OK, so let's move on to this week 18, um, this matchup. Let's go to the other backup quarterback before we get to, to some more Brown stuff. Jake Browning, obviously, we've seen him play this year. There's been some ups and downs. Uh, there was a stretch there where it looked like he might be good enough to lead this this Bengals team to the playoffs. He's faded a little bit. What, what have you seen from Browning and this matchup for whoever's going to play in, in this Browns defense? I'm a big, big, big Browning fan. I was out of college and I've uh, watched a lot of film on him. Um, I would say I mean, he made through for 12,000 yards in Washington, broke a bunch of records at Washington, a bunch of records at um, in the Pac-12. I would say people didn't think he was going to be able to escape well enough <clears throat> at the uh, pro level. And I would say people questioned his size, but he's, I think he's really, really, really good. Um, I think he's a guy who's going to be, uh, I, I think he'll be a starter, not in Cincinnati, obviously, but I think he'll be a starter uh, in this league. He's, you know, he's thrown for uh, 1,700 yards, 1,780 yards. And then, he, you know, he comes out and he's 32 or 37 against the Jags for 354 yards and just lights them up. Last two weeks, he's really struggled, um, really struggled, um, <clears throat> only thrown for 197 yards. 
the week before the Steelers picked him off three times. Uh, they kind of pressured him. Uh, I think the, the Browns got to get him off his spot. If he's a rhythm guy, once he gets into rhythm, uh, you know, he's a very, he's a very smart kid. So uh, Zach Taylor likes to get five guys out so he can handle all the stuff they do. Um, he's pretty talented guy. Make all the throws. I think he's really, really good. I think the Browns are going to um, the second group because there's so much to play for. is going to give him fits um, because the Browns all play and they all are part of that culture now, but uh, he can make all the throws. Like I said, in college, he, he makes them all different levels. He uh, progresses very well. He processes information. He's pretty accurate. Uh, his anticipation's really good. He's a good quarterback. Yeah, it's it's interesting <laughs> you bring up that Browns second unit, and I think one of the things about that Jim Schwartz has reiterated over and over again this year is we do what we do. So it's not you know he's not throwing a bunch of new things at guys. Obviously, there's adjustments and there's things you're going to do differently based on you know you're going to defend. Joe Burrow differently than, than you're going to defend Lamar Jackson. You have to do different things, but ultimately it's all based in the Browns do what they do. And so that kind of allows, you know, we talked about DeAnthony Bell and Ronnie Hickman on the pod the other day that allows those guys to just kind of, they're practicing it, they're repping it, and then they're able to step in and do it. Well, you just said it, they're repping it. So for me, it's all about practice. They're getting those reps. So they're not going in, um, they're not going in and say, all right, we got uh, the Bengals. The Bengals like to do this. Here's their formations. Here's what they do. We have to change. Browns don't do that. Schwartz doesn't do that. You're right. They always have to change, and you always have to be aware of personnel. But basically, the Browns are going to be pressuring. They're going to be in man coverage, and they're going to be in one high hat. There's always variations. Um, but for the most part, that's what they're going to do. They're going to do those three things, and that means you're repping that all week. That means the backups are repping, repping that all week. That means they've been repping it since camp, and the same – the same stuff that they did in week one of two a days is the stuff they're doing now, which means they've banked a lot of reps, which is going to help them. Um, that's why those guys have been successful when they come in as well, because they're doing what they're going to do in a game. And it sounds kind of weird, but a lot of us coaches, we practice a lot of stuff sometimes. And that's not what Schwartz does. They do what they do, and that's why they're good each week, because they're making you as an offense stop them, which is, you know, that's why he's had such success. Okay, so... We don't know who's in and who's out on Sunday just yet, other than the fact that Joe Flacco won't play and Jeff Driscoll will. Uh, I think there's some guys we can make assumptions about, but when you kind of look across this roster, some of these second-level guys, even third-level guys, who are some names that you're excited to watch on Sunday? Well, now you kind of go back to almost like preseason, right? Guys who are going to get reps, guys you want to see. So offensively, I want to see Pierre Strong run the ball. I think he's ran uh, run the ball very well when he's been in there. I think he has a good burst. I think he's a really good zone runner. Um, and they're going to see they're going to see that forefront this week. I think they're going to get a lot of zone. I think they're going to be very basic this week. So you're going to get basic gap schemes and basic zone. I want to see him run the ball with you know getting that ten to fifteen carries, carrying the load because I think he's been pretty impressive. Um, I think the other thing I want to see, and a lot of people want to see, is Bell, Goodwin, and Tillman. Those three guys have 33, 32 catches for 347 yards and one touchdown. So one of those guys ha- has to get better, right? One of those guys has to get a- and get to the point where they're producing. So, once again, it's not going to be about quality of catches. It's going to, I mean, quantity of catches. It's going to be about quality of catches. Those guys, one of those three guys has to make a couple plays here in the playoffs, for the Browns to have success. Doesn't mean you have to carry the load, but it has to be timely. So I want to see one of those three receivers kind of step up and make some big plays. And then defensively, two guys. I want to see Ika inside kind of hold his own in there. But the guy I'm most excited, and he was one of my camp crushes, is Diabate. Well, I'm a Diabate. I want to see him running around, flying around. He's a big, good-looking athlete. So I want to see him in that shorts defense 
you know, doing a bunch of different things, which I think he can do. That last one's a good one. He's a name I hadn't really thought of yet. Um, a guy that I kind of am interested in is Alex Wright. Um, yeah. Obviously second year guy, but last year, I mean, last year he didn't do much of anything, right? He didn't even register a quarterback hit last year. He wasn't creating any pressure. And this year we've seen him take some steps forward. So it's been encouraging to see. And I want to kind of see him in a situation where he's playing, I don't know, 70% of the snaps, however many snaps he's going to play potentially on Sunday. Um, I, I want to see what he can do because look, Oboe Karanko is on his way back. But you're going to need somebody else because Oboe is dealing with a, a pretty severe injury. We don't know the exact severity of it, but it seems like it could be a torn pack. He certainly had a big brace on his arm today. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what you get out of Oboe. I don't know how much he can play once he's back on the field. So you're going to need a guy like Alex Wright to step up and, and kind of continue his development. So I think he's on my list, too, of guys I want to see. Yeah, when you see it, when you watch Alex Wright, I tweeted that out during the game. The thing that like went on his sack, he now has, you know, when he was at UAB, when you're a big physical athlete and you play in that front seven, when he's at UAB and he's playing UAB caliber teams, doesn't mean they're bad. He's just a pro. So he would just get to an edge and go. He had no plan. He was just better. And now you see, and that's what last year he tried to do. And you see, you know, he does not use his hands very well last year. You know, he had that sack. He went arm over, finished with a rip. He's coming up with a plan. I think he has, obviously, has Zedarius and Miles to help him with that. But <clears throat> they've done a good job of developing his pass rush plan. His hands are much better. Physically, he looks thicker, especially through his lower half. Um, he's just a totally – that's why you – um, that's why you get draft those guys, right? Now, the, last year was kind of you didn't want him to play. This is how you develop a guy, especially D lineman. He gets older, he gets bigger, he gets stronger, he gets to watch the stars in front of him, and then he can kind of get in the mode where you say, you know, next couple of years, do we need Desert, uh, you know, Smith or is Wright ready to go? I think you're right. I think he's going to have a big night. He's really his improvement has been as good as any in terms of developmental from last year to this year. Yeah, I mean, there was a cool moment at the Greenbrier where, you know, Miles was really working with Alex, and I, I can't remember who else. He, it might have been Isaiah Thomas, too, who's uh, still on the practice squad. Um, he was kind of working with those guys on their hands, and you could see, like, him, <clears throat> Miles, take them under his wing a little bit. It, it was kind of cool to see up close and, and, and personal there. So, I don't know how anybody can pick this game. I'm about to talk to Tyler Shoemaker, who uh, you're going to hear has no idea how to pick this game. And he's an expert at all this stuff. So Lance, you're the Jeff Driscoll expert. You're the the Jake Browning expert. So I'm glad you get to go first here and lead the way. What is your pick for this football game? All right, well, I gotta, I'm going to go from the coach's perspective here. And I'm going to go with practice, right? So the Browns guys have practiced all year. They know how to practice. And I, I, I've watched the Browns practice a whole bunch now. I've never watched the Bengals practice, but I will tell you this. The Bengals have absolutely nothing to play for. And I know they're pros and I know they're all that kind of stuff. There's nothing to play for. And you can say whatever you want. Uh, Jamar Chase has not practiced the way none of those guys are. It's human nature. So I'm simply going to, because the Browns have so much to play for, I think Brown is going to have a big night. But the Browns this week, there's a lot of pep in the step at practice. They're getting ready for the playoffs. Guys are resting. Uh, guys behind them. So the, just the general culture and everything at practice is really lively. Um, it's about all I got. That's what I think in terms of the game because you're right. There's so many. There's so many variables that we don't we don't know about. But I'm simply as a coach going. The Browns have something to play for, and the Bengals don't. And that's how they've that's how they've practiced this week. And that'll come back to haunt the Bengals late in the game. Um, <clears throat> I got the Browns. It's going to be close. Uh, I got the Browns 17-13 because I because okay. of the fact because they got a ton to play for. So you're you're banking on the Bengals having that one two three Cancun game. 
Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And that's, and I just, you know what, and it doesn't matter what level you play at. There is a natural letdown um, when you, when you have fought for something and then this means absolutely nothing. So yes, I think this is a game where they, they're checking out and they're going to be in a base front. They're going to be in a base coverage. They're going to be, they're going to run the ball on offense. They're going to make sure they're going to be very, very vanilla. Both sides will be very vanilla. And I just think you're right. And the Browns, now the Browns aren't like that because the guy, the starters are amped up and they're, they're working on Jacksonville or whoever they're, you know, the, the three teams they might play. And so there's just a different feeling in the buildings. And I think that feeling carries over to the field. Yeah. And I think the Browns will be pretty vanilla too, right? Like they're, even though Mm -hmm. their guys aren't playing, they're not going to show anything. They're not going to roll out a bunch of trick plays or anything like that. So uh, knock on wood here, this game will be over by about 345 and we'll be on our way back, uh, back up 71 pretty quickly getting ready for what I think is going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. I agree. Um, Okay. So, we will have Lance back on next week, as we always do. I don't know if we'll do the normal film breakdown of this game. We'll see. We'll get into some of that. And then, of course, you'll be back for our preview pods all throughout the playoffs as well. So just make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to get caught up on all of that. Uh, I'm going to talk to Tyler Shoemaker after the break. Lance, appreciate the time. As always, thanks for having me. Welcome back to our Browns Bengals preview pod. And as we are, jo- as we are every Friday, we're joined by Tyler Shoemaker to give us uh, some of his bets for the week. Tyler, how are you? Dang good. I can't believe season is is done. We're we're in playoff <laughs> mode now. This this week is my least favorite week of the of the regular season because it's like a lot of teams know they're already in the playoff. A lot of teams know they're already out of the playoff. There's only a handful of teams that are that really <laughs> care this week. So uh, let's let's get through this one and and get to the playoffs with with the Browns next week. Yeah, it should be interesting. You know, it's, it's it's funny. I always say like the season feels so long as you're kind of grinding through it, and then all of a sudden you look up and it's like, oh, it's week 18. There's like at most a month left in the season. Yeah. It's it's pretty crazy. So let's get let's start here where we always start. Let's get your updated rankings. Who's your top five? Yeah, so the Ravens Ravens actually jumped up to number one uh, after their shellacking last week. So they're actually at number one now uh, by one point four points. That's you don't really see a huge you know rating swing this late in the season, but I mean they absolutely destroyed um, Miami last week. So they're up to number one. Niners number two, Cowboys number three, Bills number four, and Miami number five still, even despite the the loss to the Ravens. Yeah, interesting. The Ravens. This has sort of been building a little bit here with this Ravens move. They didn't move last week after that 49ers game, but then the Miami game pushes them up. It's when they they just absolutely destroyed the Dolphins. So, so this has yeah. been coming a little while for the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, and as we talked about, they you know them and the Niners have kind of jockeyed back and forth uh, at that one spot here for the last six weeks or so. So, uh, I'm I'm not surprised to see the Ravens back on top. I'm, it was just a little jarring to see. Uh, they they jumped up like a full point and a half or two points I think after after that game which which you don't see too often in in my rating so uh, it's kind of cool to see honestly and and I'm glad I mean I would agree with that you know just my my gut instinct like they're they're playing really well right now so I, I agree with it just from an eye test standpoint so I always like when you know when my brain agrees with with the numbers. <laughs> Okay, so I, I'm gonna want the final the final list next week. So we're gonna call this the penultimate Hugh Jackson five. What do we have at the bottom? At the bottom, we've got the Jets, the Patriots, who have shown some semblance of life here over the last few weeks at least. They they're not really winning games, but they're at least uh being somewhat competitive. Uh Cardinals and then the bottom two, Giants and Panthers actually fall to 
I'm sorry. I hadn't scrolled far enough. So Giants, Panthers, and Commanders still at, at the bottom spot, um, but not by as much. They're only The Commanders are only in dead last by 0.6 right now. So not as much as they have been. They had over a point, you know, quote unquote, lead for the bottom uh, at, at one point here in, in recent weeks. Well, the Jets Patriots are going to be playing this week to get to get out of this group here and <laughs> the final the final list, maybe. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Where do you have the Browns and where do you have the Bengals? So I've got the Browns number eight overall, uh, the offensive rating up to number eight. Also defense uh, at number 12, which they've, they've kind of been in this nine to 12 range defensively for most of the season, especially the the back half of the season. Uh, which obviously is, is really good. Bengals uh, at, at number 17 overall with the number 15 offense and the number 20 defense. I can't believe kind of the the slide that the Bengals defense has been on this year. Uh, so I would project this game, again, I don't account for motivation or injuries or anything like that. I would project the Bengals minus a half point here with a total of 45 uh, the line last time I checked was Bengals minus seven. Obviously, you know, Joe Flacco's not starting. The Browns, I don't know how much they really care about this game because they're already in the playoffs. The Bengals, I don't know how much they care about this game because they're out. So I this is this is a game, honestly, if we, if we weren't doing this, I would want no part of it. This this might even be my my stay away of the week. Uh but and and like I, I was telling you before before we started recording, props, uh, I haven't seen any props even any touchdown props listed on DraftKings or FanDuel so uh, it's going to be kind of slim pickings from from a betting standpoint for this game um, but I'll I'll get your thoughts here and then I'll, I'll give out my I'm going to give out one pick this week for for the Browns game but I've got three league-wide picks that I'm going to give out this week yeah I mean this is such a tough one uh, you know you're going to have Jeff Driscoll starting we've never seen Jeff Driscoll in a Browns uniform <laughs> we don't know who's going to be playing and who's not right like Amari Cooper's probably not going to be out there um, I don't, I, Elijah Moore is probably not going to be out there, even though he's back practicing. Like, we just don't know who's going to be playing, who's not. I would imagine the Bengals, even though they're out of the playoffs, they, they might have some more starters playing. This is kind of their last, their last hurrah, if you will, for the season. Um, so maybe like Jamar Chase is going to be running around out there or whatever. But, um, I mean, how do you, how do you approach week 18? I mean, there's only, there's really only a few games that have real stakes this week. So I, I don't even know, is this sort of a kind of lay back, take it easy week and, and get ready for the playoffs? How, how do you approach this kind of week? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I have in my notes here for my stay away is uh, are all teams that are eliminated or have clinched the playoffs. Like I don't want to bet on any of those teams, which leaves us with a few here. Uh, so uh, for this game though, again, I, if we weren't doing this, I wouldn't want any part of it. The only thing I remotely liked here, despite me projecting the over, uh, uh, the current over-unders, 37 and a half, I believe, I project 45. But again, trying to get a grasp on the motivation, who's in, who's out. The only bet that I somewhat liked here in this game is the Bengals team total under 21 and a half. I, the offense hasn't been great. They've kicked a lot of field goals. I don't, I don't love it. So... Uh, I, I don't love them to score a ton of points here is what I mean. So I'm going to go Bengals under 21 and a half. And then as we look league, league wide, um, the Colts and the Texans are are in a really impactful game. Looking at the NFL playoff picture, both uh, are have a greater than 99% chance to make the playoffs if they win. So that's, you know, kind of a win and end situation here. So I'm going to take the Colts plus one against the Texans. I'm not a huge 
betting splits guy as far as like percentages on this team or that team. But I do look at it just to kind of know that information. And 92% of the bets are on Houston at this point, which is really bizarre. Like you, you don't see really above like 60, 65% on one side in the NFL. Uh, the Colts opened as a one and a half point favorite. I project it more in that range. So I'm going to go Colts plus one against Houston. Well, and, and what's interesting about that game too is for Browns fans, that's relevant to them because the winner of that game, if Jacksonville loses, is going to win the AFC South. So that's who the Browns are going to play in the first round. So obviously it's it's probably going to still be Jacksonville. But if Jacksonville gets upset on Sunday, the winner on Saturday night is the team the Browns are going to play. So that's going to be a game Browns fans are paying attention to anyway. Yeah, it all, all the better. So, you know, I don't know who you guys would, would rather play from a fan standpoint, but from a betting standpoint, if you want some action on it, I like the Colts plus one against the Texans. Uh, NFC South action, uh, the Bucks are only four and a half point favorites against the Panthers, which is, I project it right around that number. So not a ton of value here on the number, but obviously the Panthers not playing for anything this week. The Bucks, again, according to the NFL website, greater 99% chance to make the playoffs with a win here, only laying four and a half. I think you know, the motivation factor here is enough and my number is close enough that I'm, I'm going to lay the four and a half with Tampa Bay against Carolina. And then my last pick this week, uh, I'm going to take the Packers minus three. So they Packers have the Bears. I projected at four and a half. So some value here on the number. And again, the motivation standpoint, as we look at the playoff picture, it just makes sense uh, that, that the Packers might want this game a little bit more. Okay, I, I do want to revisit the the Browns Bengals game real quick. I know you mentioned this, but I just want to put it a little more in perspective. So, if everything were normal, right? Okay, right now it's Bengals minus seven. The total is thirty seven and a half. The Browns money line is plus two forty in this game. So, if Browns fans still think the Browns are going to win. Um, you know, they they could certainly profit off that money line a little, but you'd also be betting on Jeff Driscoll. So, <laughs> do so very carefully. Yeah, that's uh, that's the challenge. How does that? I guess, how does that minus seven and that 37 and a half compare to what it would be normally? Like I said, I know you mentioned this earlier, but just for contrast here, what you would what you would have it if this were just a normal, hey, this game means everything Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, like I said, fully, fully healthy and everything, just a, a regular game. I would make it Bengals minus a half. Uh, I would be curious okay. to know what odds makers would do. I mean... Again, we we talk about we've talked about this all season. Like, are they really making a six and a half point adjustment here? You know, based on just the court. Like, Joe Flacco is not worth that. I'm sorry, he's played he's played well, but he's not worth that. Uh, I think they're maybe taking into account, like you like you mentioned, Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, like maybe more like group uh, guys sitting out, plus the motivation factor. So, I mean, I I get it. Um, yeah, if this were a normal game, I would I would definitely want to be on the Browns. And again, as a Bengals fan. The Bengals just have a mental block. They can they could roll through everyone else, but they have a mental block with Cleveland. So I would I would want to be on the Browns uh, under under normal circumstances if if they you know cared about this game. Yeah, that's true. There's there's something about this matchup. It brings out the best in the Browns and the worst in the Bengals. All right, you mentioned some of your favorites, um, and you mentioned this would be a game maybe you just stay away from. But who are so, where? What are some other stayaways this week? Yeah. Um, let's see, I, I, again, literally any team that's, you know, like, like you mentioned, Patriots and Jets are going to match up in, in a Hugh Jackson five matchup. So, you know, in your kind of sicko game of the week that that's probably right up there. Uh, 
you know, the Giants and Eagles, uh, two teams that that are out of the playoffs, like those type of games, I just you just don't know who's going to show up. And despite what you know, my number might say on a game and show great value, it's, you just can't quantify the the motivation factor. And and I don't like things that you can't quantify, so I don't want to bet on them. Okay, so I'm going to ask you about this game because this is one. This is one of those motivation games here uh, but i think it's really interesting all right so jacksonville like i mentioned if jacksonville wins on sunday they win the afc south that's who the browns are going to play uh in the playoffs on the road uh so it's basically winning in for jacksonville they have not actually clinched a playoff spot though so they could win their division or they could end up out of the playoffs if some other scenarios play out they're playing the tennessee titans now titans not very good i ryan Tannehill is going to be starting that game but there's something about mike vrabel like with his bat, he's got a little bit of Mike Tomlin in him, especially when he's an underdog. Uh, but Jaguars are five point favorites in this game. And I feel like, I guess, where do you see this game? Because if, if you're looking at a team that is highly motivated versus a team that isn't going anywhere, this is certainly one of those matchups. Yeah. And I think, I think the key point here, you hit on the head and that's who's the head coach for, for the team that quote unquote, you know, doesn't have anything to play for. And Mike Vrabel is one of those guys that you know he's going to have his team fired up to play regardless. You know, that's just the kind of the culture that he instills in those guys. So, you know, I make this game Jacksonville minus one and a half. So getting quite a bit of value there on the number. Um, this potentially could be a bet. You know, I, I don't want to bet them all, but, um, you know, Tennessee is is kind of enticing in this game. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they won outright. Jacksonville, you know, they started the season great and then haven't been as great in the second half of the season. So uh, if I if I had to bet that game, I would be on Tennessee. Okay, interesting. And certainly one, like I said, Browns fans are going to be watching a lot of implications as to who they're going to end up playing in the first round of the playoffs. And of course, Tyler's going to be with us all through the playoffs. However long this run goes for the Browns, uh, we'll continue to have him on to give you his uh, Browns bets every week, his NFL bets every week. And when you're not listening to him on this podcast, Tyler, where can people find yeah, Right him? now, the best best place to find me is at vsin.com. That's V-S-I-N.com, uh, men's and women's college basketball NFL best bets, uh, all that, you know, as we, it's January now, we'll be getting into March Madness here before we know it. I'll have, you know, picks on all that. I know a lot of people don't watch college basketball until then. So I'll have, have all that. So, so read me there, follow me on X at tissue index. All right, let's get one more bonus from you. I'm just going to throw this at you. You might need to look something up real quick, but who do you like Monday? Who do you like in the champion, the, uh, college championship game, Washington and Michigan? I have not updated numbers, but I'm pretty sure my numbers are going to be on Michigan. I was on Michigan, uh, in the semifinal against Alabama. Uh, I projected them minus eight and a half. They ended up winning by seven in overtime. Uh, and that was honestly, I thought they played pretty bad. So, uh, I'll take that. My numbers have been high on Michigan all year. So, uh, you know, I'm sure some of our listeners probably don't, don't care to hear that, but I, I think I would probably be on Michigan in that game. Yeah, and again, just give give Tyler a follow on Twitter at uh, Tissue Index for uh, we're we're a little ways away from that game, so as we get closer, uh, give him a follow and, and check him out and uh, all those other spots to to get the bet on that game. Tyler, appreciate the time. Yep, thanks, Dan. And welcome back to the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. Thanks to Lance, as always. Thanks to Tyler. Okay, this is uh, this is the dream here. Back when we were. Heading for the Greenbrier in July, sitting in Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium in August, watching the first of four preseason games. And we were in Houston on Christmas Eve, 
This is this is the game we couldn't wait to pick right here. Cincinnati and Cleveland, week 18. Jake Browning versus Jeff Driscoll. <laughs> uh, the the line on this game, I'm going to look to see if it's changed since I talked to Tyler. But yeah, the Bengals are favored by seven. The total on this game is 37 and a half. And I have no idea. I guess Jamar Chase might end up playing in this game. It seems like the Bengals are going to play their guys. Um, the Browns are not going to play their guys. I have no idea how to pick this game. So who does? That's a good question. That is a really good question because I would really like to get this right because I wanted to finish strong with my picks and I don't even know what my record is. Well, you but... might, you might have three more picks after this, four more picks after this. Oh, there you go. Um, so I, you know, I don't know. I don't right now I'm really struggling with who I want to pick. So you're not going to hold me to this pick. Are you? I mean, if I decide to change it in print, we always, we always say it's our, it's our print predictions that, that matter. And by the way, Mary Kay straight up 12 and three against the spread eight, five and two. Um, I'm nine and six and nine, four and two. I think that number's wrong. Actually, Mary Kay's 13 and three. Now this is actually in the jets uh, post. So Mary Kay's 13 and three. I'm 10 and six. Ashley is 10 and six. Uh, Irie is ten and six. Uh, Jimmy is nine and seven. So Mary Kay, you are you are way ahead of everybody right now. Wow, who knew? Thirteen and three. I mean, there's part of me that thinks that the Bengals are going to win this game. I just feel like the Browns are going to rest almost everybody, and I think the Bengals, if they're playing Jamar Chase and some other guys, I mean, I think. Trey Hendrickson might want to go out there and try to win the sack title, you know? So as of right now, I think I'm going to pick the Bengals just because the Browns don't need this game and they're resting most of their starters. So I think I'm going to go Bengals and somewhere in the neighborhood of um, like, I've stuck around this neighborhood all year long, but somewhere around 24 to 24 to 17. I think I'm on the same, same wavelength, Ashley, like, you know, Lance and I were talking about this and I kind of, I made the one, two, three Cancun joke. Like, is that the mode the Bengals are going to be in? But I don't, I don't know that that's, I mean, look, I've watched the Browns. I've watched Browns teams who are one in 15 and own 16, go to Pittsburgh and go against their backups. And, play pretty good games. Like they went to overtime one year. They lost in a Corey Coleman drop another year. So I don't know if that happens all that much in the NFL. And I do think like, if this is going to be, if this is going to be Brown's backups against Bengals starting caliber players, there has to be a gap there somehow. Like the, the Bengals, the Bengals are still a talented team. So I think I'm leaning with Mary Kay on this, that this is going to be a Bengals win. I don't think it's going to be a blowout though. Um, I think I'll pick the Browns to cover, but I'm going to pick the Bengals to win and I'm going to go kind of low scoring. I don't think either team's going to try and do a whole lot in this game. I'm going to say Bengals 18 Browns 14. Another weird yeah. score. 
I was thinking like when you were talking, even before you started talking, Dan, I just have the 2021 season finale between these two teams here where the Bengals rested everybody because they were getting ready to make a playoff run and the Browns, which had been, you know, filled with drama all year and just middling around 500 comes here and wins the finale after that awful Monday night game in Pittsburgh where they knew they had been eliminated for two weeks and, and all of that. And they rested Baker even that game, right? He didn't play again because of the shoulders. So I I just think that it's very much a possibility. I'm also partial to just pick the Bengals because Mary Kay just did. And as you said, Dan, she's been kicking our butts all year. Yeah, just on tail picks. Mary Kay. That's so actually a great I'm idea. I'm going to ride Mary Kay's coattails and also pick the Bengals to win. I'm going to pick a weird score too. I'm going to do Bengals 1917. If I was going to make an argument for the Browns to win this game, though, and I'm almost going to sound a little player speak, but I genuinely believe we've seen evidence of this at this point. So it's not just talk. I think with these Browns, when those backup guys get in, they want to continue the train and keep it rolling so bad. The best example we've seen of that is that safety where they've had to throw Ronnie Hickman and D'Anthony Bell, two undrafted guys out there the last like four weeks because of injuries. And they've held their own. Like, I think there are so many examples of that, but that's the most, like, extreme where you have to throw in truly two guys that no one even wanted to draft in there that are still early in their careers. And I do think there is going to be an element of that. These guys are going to want to finish strong. They're going to have that motivation. But from a talent perspective, I mean, I do think the Bengals might, might just have the upper hand and it might be a weird game. And like Dan said, who knows if the Browns will kick? <laughs> I, I did almost say, like, come on, is Jeff Driscoll really going to come off another team's practice squad and lead the Browns to a win? As if I haven't watched <laughs> this entire four months of football that just happened. Dan, Dan, remember. We're not going to let you say that, ago. Dan. We I are have, not going to let you I say that. Learned... What if I told you a quarterback <laughs> can come off? Lessons. What if I told you a quarterback can come off the couch and help lead a team to the playoffs? <laughs> Funny. It could happen. It could happen, right? It could okay. happen. Let me ask you guys this. Which matchup do you think is the worst for the Browns of the three they could get? The, the Jags, just so everybody remembers, um, if the Jags win, they play the Browns. They host the Browns. If the Jags lose, it'll be the winner of the Texans-Colts game on Saturday night that's going to host the Browns. So we're talking either Jacksonville, which is the most likely matchup, or Houston or Indianapolis, they would be on the road. So of those three, who do you think is the toughest matchup for the Browns? I think right now I'm going to say the Texans because I think if they get their two edge rushers back, those guys are are pretty good. And if you recall, um, when the Browns went down there, uh, Joe Flacco did have all kinds of time to throw and D'Amico Ryans lamented that fact, after, that fact after the game. But they lost uh, Jonathan Grenard very early on in that game, who had 12 and a half sacks heading into that game. And they were without Will Anderson, their other starting edge rusher. Then they lost defensive backs in that game. And it just wasn't conducive to the Texans trying to pull that out with Case Keenum and Davis Mills. And now C.J. Stroud would be back. And I, I think that they would give them a, a tough game. I don't think that's going to be an easy out 
by any stretch. I still think the Browns will win, uh, but I think that that they could give them a, a tougher game than maybe the other two. Yeah, I think I'm leaning Texans too, just because of C.J. Stroud. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's been so good this year, and like he's barely turned the ball over. Um, he's, I mean, he's surpassed all expectations, even for people who thought maybe he should be the number one pick. Um, I, I think he's been better than anybody. You know, we talked about awards. He should probably be a rookie of the year. Uh, he's been better than anybody. I mean, th- think about this five interceptions and three of them came on November 19th against Arizona. So he's only thrown an interception in two other games. So he does not turn the football over, um, for the most part. I, you know, like, look, Doug Peterson's a really good coach. He's won a Super Bowl. He had Jacksonville, you know, he took Jacksonville to Kansas City last year and, and they were in that football game. So I wouldn't rule, I wouldn't rule anything out with either of the other two coaches. And maybe you get really good Trevor Lawrence on the day you face them. I don't know, but it feels like he's getting held together by duct tape right now. So I think, I think I'm with Mary Kay. I think Houston with CJ Stroud mm-hmm. is a bigger threat than any of the other two teams. Yeah, I think that's where I am too. And like, it's, it's also because of what Mary Kay laid out with their defense. Like we were talking about that in real time in this game. Like imagine how different this would be if they actually had their best defenders for the whole game. I mean, Jonathan Grenard went out after the first series and didn't come back. They got a huge break in that game. Um, But like what you're saying with the Jags, Dan, right? Like they'll be at home. If Trevor can go like last time they saw him, he was on that bum ankle. He didn't have Christian Kirk. Like things could look different um but I definitely agree I think Houston that's a tough out if if you have to worry about CJ just because he doesn't make those mistakes that a lot of rookie quarterbacks make and what's weird about Kevin Stefanski is he has these pockets of success he's six and one against the Bengals and 10 and oh against the AFC South it's the weirdest thing uh, so you know what I mean by the time we get to to Saturday I probably will end up changing my pick and have the Browns winning that game because I'm struggling with it so much. The fact that they're going to lose to the Bengals, which they never do under Kevin Stefanski. And they have said they want to go down there and win that game. So we'll have to see. But, um, but there he's 10 and 0 against the AFC South. And even though I do think that D'Amico Ryans and his crew would give them a game, would give them a game if they can get all those guys back healthy. Um, because I, I have long thought that, in the playoffs, it is going to uh, be a huge factor that the Browns are down to their fourth and fifth offensive tackles and that teams are going to try to exploit that as much as they can. And I think that Joe can do a lot of things to, you know, to compensate for that by getting rid of the ball quickly and seeing the field so fast and all those kinds of things. But I still do think that somebody's going to take advantage of that and it's not going to be as seamless for him in every single one of these games as it has been to this point. Okay, well, we're going to get through this Week 18 game against the Bengals, and then we are on to the playoffs. Uh, We'll continue to do uh, the same pods that we do every single week, including these preview pods with Lance and Tyler, uh, and our predictions are way too early predictions. Um, We'll tell you every week that we're going to change them by the time we put them in print, which we usually do end up doing. Um, So just uh, make sure you're subscribed. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, find us on Instagram, Orange and Brown Talk. Find us on YouTube. Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com and become a football insider subscriber. Uh, it's the blue banner at the top of the page at cleveland.com slash Browns. Thanks to Tyler. Thanks to Lance for Mary Kay and Ashley on Dan. Thanks for listening.